Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. Jake Shapiro, Rachel Veal, hanging out with you as the Avalanche will start round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs today. We are so stoked as they will be taking on the St. Louis Blues. We've been waiting all week for this. My goodness. I know it's only Tuesday. We're counting all of last week, too, because we are so ready for round two to begin. Jeremy Rutherford is going to be joining us too a little bit later as St. Louis Blues writer. So we're going to get a little bit dig into the depth or the, what is that? What's the saying, Jake? I was, I was, I was doing so well. Dig into the deep, dig into the numbers. I don't Dig into the trenches, something like that. Anyways. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Jake, how are you? I'm good. You know, like last night, rare night with literally nothing on the sports calendar, no national baseball games, no NBA, no NHL, no NFL. Uh, I sat back and crushed two Chipotle burritos because I had nothing better to do. <laughs> so explain to people the deal, because I was completely unaware of this Chipotle deal until you told me yesterday. Uh, yesterday that if you wore a hockey jersey in a Chipotle after 3 p.m., they would have given you a free burrito with the burrito burrito you already purchased so a bogo uh in conjunction with usa hockey so just getting getting the love for hockey out there and i think honestly if you want to look like at this like a serious sports take um i think a lot of this honestly has to do with nhl getting a tv deal with espn and, and tnt and you know they're raising the bar for hockey and it just seems like this year and it's awesome the abs are you know making a cup run this year is so much more important and so much more mainstream than it has been in the last few years. I mean, of course, people like us have been paying attention, but like, mm-hmm. feels like everyone's kind of on this hockey bandwagon right now, which is awesome. It is, but I wish people were also a little bit more. Like, I wish the city of Denver was really buying completely in. You know, I, you go downtown and you can see some banners and stuff, but it's not like what you would hope and expect knowing how high the ceiling is for this avalanche team. Yeah. You know, I think that Denver ultimately is a great events town. I think it's a really good sports Mm -hmm. town, not an amazing sports town, but we get behind events and the avalanche have been to this point in the playoffs a bunch lately. They haven't gotten further. This is not a unique event. If they make it to the conference finals, if they make it to the Stanley cup, you better believe this town is going to be in blue and burgundy. Uh, the same way, you know, a Rockies opening day or a Rocktober run would be, it, it, you know, we, we all wear our purple. Um, so yeah, I, I think that this has the potential to blow up. Um, we were talking about this yesterday in one of our meetings, Rachel, and you know, round one, it wasn't that interesting besides game one. We all kind of knew what was going to happen. I think this, especially if the blues take the abs at least to six games, you're going to start to see the town really blow up. And, you know, those eight days in between series didn't help anything in terms of building that playoff momentum in the city. But I think now is when you're going to see the switch turned and the Nuggets being out and, you know, the Broncos aren't doing much right now and the Rockies have fallen under 500. Okay, so let's get into that. The Rockies lose to the Giants last night, 7-6. to six. Now at the bottom of the NL West, there's been a lot of speculation about when this was going to happen. Jake, I know you even had a tweet yesterday about them. Can they get above this 500 again? Uh, Zach By also said the Colorado Rockies, an assumed doormat in 2022, have slipped below 500 for the first time since opening day. Some thought this day would never come. Others said it was inevitable. I'll still be here, though, at my post watching and serving. So James Merrill, I also asked way before the season began when the Rockies would fall below 500. 
people were off by less than a day. People said May 15th. So there you go. I guess people understand this Colorado's Rocky team. Jake, truthfully. Sorry, Rachel. I'm busy right now. I'm texting James for lottery ticket numbers. Uh, right? I know. nailing his picks. <laughs> he is. James has been on top of everything. But Jake, can this team get above 500 again? You know, if it's going to happen, it's going to be out on this road trip. They've got a couple weak opponents. I think they're at Pittsburgh and and then someone else pretty weak right now. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates who just won a game without recording a hit. Um, that's the state of baseball at the current moment. Um, very problematic as a baseball fan. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, like Zach by the assumed doormat because they are a doormat. That's why they're an assumed doormat, Zach by, and they have been this entire time. You know, they're better than a hundred loss team. They're not in a hundred loss team because they went out and got guys like Chris Bryant, but they're still probably a 75 win team and being perpetually stuck at 75 wins every season is not relevant. It's not interesting and it doesn't offer them a chance to rebuild. Um, I'm not saying the Rockies should tank. I'm just saying, why are you spending $200 million on a player when you know you guys are going to be bad? Maybe wait to that to hold on to that money for a year or two until you get these young guys some at-bats and stuff. But, you know, there's some impressive uh, performances in here with, like, Jonathan Daza and stuff. But Daniel Bard's absolutely collapsed the last few days. Um, You know, Chris Bryant, like I said, is still on the uh, injured list, and he's supposed to come back later this week. But, you know, I think that – you can look at this positively and say, hey, you know, they're they're only one game under 500. And Chris Bryant and Herman Marquez have basically offered nothing to this team. The best hitter, the best pitcher. On the other side, they've offered nothing to this team. And the Rockies have had a home heavy schedule and they can't win out on the road. So there's part of me that thinks that this could be a really, really rough season opposed to the normal, just really rough season that the Rockies normally offer us. Um but we'll we'll see here kind of how the chips fall. And, you know, the bullpen was supposed to be short up and, and barred, like I said, collapsing the last few days is, is not a good sign. You know, losing to the Giants at home is one thing. And they've got the Giants and then the Mets, who are supposed to be really good coming on coming in later this week. But losing a series to the Kansas City Royals, who are a doormat. Uh, yeah, that's not good. Jake, be honest. What's really wrong with this Rockies team? Ownership. It'll always be ownership. Like if you want to like really like investigate it and go, oh, they need a better second baseman. They've never had a good catcher in club history. Like, yeah, no doubt. Like they've never had a great catcher. They had their bet. They've had their best pitching rotation they've ever had the last few years. And they got rid of one of those key guys in John Gray this off season. And they could have traded him for something at the deadline, knowing they were going to get rid of him instead of offering him an insulting contract. But all these decisions come from the top. And it's a pattern of these decisions that have happened over a course of time that is extended. It has been so long of this perpetual cycle of being just not even terrible, just irrelevant, not good, not great. Um, And when forced with the opportunity or or presented with the opportunity of competing at the top of the NL West, um, the Rockies did not want to make the moves required to upend the Dodgers the one year that they could have done that in 2018. And since then they've done some pretty stupid things, whether it's giving Daniel Murphy money, um, you know, the Ian Desmond contract have long reaching effects where they probably didn't sign DJ LeMay, who as a result of that, uh, Carlos Gonzalez played in different uniforms as a result of that. 
Um, yeah, it's just, it, it, it all comes back to this thinking now because I think I know baseball rather than letting the baseball people make these decisions and be accountable. And that all comes from ownership. And it's always been that way with the Rockies. And until the Monforts either sell the team or take a bigger hands-off approach, uh, this is going to continue to happen. But I do really like some of the things Bill Schmidt, the GM, has done. It's kind of funny that we had like a praise Bill Schmidt week um, on like Friday mm-hmm. or Sunday, whenever these stories came out. There's like three stories from different outlets around town. And I'm like, yeah, the day they're falling below 500, we're praising Bill Schmidt. Good job, guys. Like great planning on that story. But, you know, he honestly hasn't done that bad of a job. I'll even dare to say that Jeff Greidich didn't do like that atrocious of a job, but his personality clashed. And, you know, there's a million Jeff Breidich's Harvard grads that think they know how to run a baseball team. There was only one Nolan Arenado. And for me, uh, as somebody who loves baseball, as somebody who wants to get behind the Rockies, who lives in downtown and will go to games all the time, it, it's hard to ever come back after what they did with that Nolan Arenado trade. And, knowing that they had the money because they spent it a year later on Chris Bryant, who, who again is a really good play- baseball player. And I like Chris Bryant. There's nothing against Chris Bryant. It's just like Nolan was our guy. Will that forever be the haunting aspect of this Colorado Rockies trade, the Nolan Arenado trade? Um, you know, I think the haunting aspect of it is watching the Monforts throw $50 million away um, <laughs> to trade arguably, you know, one of the best players in baseball. I'm sure our guest from St. Louis will tell you how awesome he's been for the Cardinals this year. He's an MVP candidate again. Um, While at the same time redeveloping all of lower downtown and, you know, there's whispers of where is that money actually going with the Montforts owning all of this stuff? Are they actually reinvesting this into the baseball team or is it part of their crusade to change lower downtown? I can't answer those questions, but I can tell you that that's being talked about by Rockies fans. Um, So yeah, like I, I think to me, that's the haunting aspect of the trade because every time I look at McGregor Square, I go, Nolan Arenado's contract being traded built that. And I mean, that's not necessarily true, but like there is a certain aspect of these things happen at the same time. It kind of feels true. Yeah, I see where you're going at that. But Jake, before we get Jeremy in here, we want to go over the NFL schedule release video. So we're going to be ranking these because there were quite a few good ones and I'm kind of excited. So we're going to do your rankings first. So we'll go ahead and pull these up. So coming in at number five, who are you giving us? You know, I am just like, I'm obsessed with the Mannings. I'm just going to say it. Like, uh, I know some people maybe not be all in on the Mannings, but like, I'm the guy watching, you know, Peyton's places, Eli's places, like even Poppy's places, Vince's places. I've watched all of them. They're fantastic. I love the Mannings. Um, Eli is really great in turning into the character that he's turned into. In fact, his character may be better than him as a football player who again, is the only person to have beaten Tom Brady like that. Um, So yeah, I mean, you know, making references to the double birds, just having a good time. Love Eli, did a great job. Happy he's found a place in New York with the Giants all those years ago when he said, I don't want to go to San Diego. That turned out well because there's no team in San Diego anymore. True. Okay. Number four, who you got? The Denver Broncos. Uh, The Denver Broncos. This, this video is a classic. Uh, you know, last year when they did this video with Peyton Manning, I thought it was terrific this year, uh, you know, 
the sequel's never as good as the original. Um, mm-hmm. There's that. But in the same sense, I think the fact that we're seeing some self-deprecation from John Elway, awesome. Uh, I love the fact that Russell Wilson took a subtle shot at his wife, Ciara, in this. I mean, obviously, it was like, you know, they they, they planned that. It's not like he just randomly did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I just I liked all the little references to different things of the Broncos social media past. All right. Number three. I, um, I'm a sucker for Stephen A. Smith and Stephen A. Smith's bit where he's uh poo-pooing the 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 cowboys and quite literally the black hat uh for those who do not know in western films the person who wears the black hat is the evil guy the person wears the white hat is the good guy uh Stephen a and the black hat poo-pooing the cowboys for the last 10 years has been incredible uh the cowboys bit the bullet and brought Stephen a in to poo-poo their entire schedule as soon as we released uh Good job, Cowboys. Uh, and, and and again, self-deprecation. You never would think you'd see that from a Jerry Jones team. Yeah, crazy, right? Okay, number two. <laughs> uh, this is so good. Uh, the Detroit Urban Survival videos, if you guys have seen them online, the Lions did that video for uh, or a spoof of those videos with the guy who makes those videos um, for their schedule release. He is hilarious. Uh there's no way any of these urban survival tips work. Um, and, you know, there's probably no way the Lions work as a football team this year. So it's it's harmonious. All right. Leaving number one at. It's so good. It's, it's I mean, anime has kind of taken off the last few years, at least in popular culture here in America. And the Chargers did so good. Like they just killed this video. Like. I can't even believe how good this video is like down to the Broncos stadium fire being in GIF. It's not just like, it's not just like animes of like a a, a Bronco running. It's like subtle references, like Kyler Murray deleting his Instagram posts about the Cardinals. Like this is just 10 out of 10, like the Super Bowl for these social media people is this day. And Rachel, you used to work in one of these departments, these digital social media website departments for a team. It is a hard job. There are very few actual creative avenues where you can just go buck wild. This mm-hmm. is one of them. And I love it for these folks that they are going buck wild and they were having the opportunity to really try and experiment because the people watching these schedule release videos on social media is like a niche audience. Most people are just checking their Google calendar and finding out, oh, the Chargers played this day in September. That's great. But the people that are like, these nerdy social media people, it's kind of this insular thing where you can realize, okay, anyone watching this also remembers this and this reference. So we can just go buck wild and go all in on the references and the chargers went all in on the references and it's gorgeous. And also the animations are great. Okay. So quickly, I want to do this because Jeremy Rutherford is here. So I'm going to do mine really, really fast. All right, here we go. Number five, I'm doing the Cowboys. I'm not a huge Stephen A. Smith fan. I know a lot of people, I respect his opinion, but I thought he was almost trying a little bit too hard in this. So that's why I've got him at number five and moving on to number four, the Chargers. So I'm also not an anime person, but you almost convinced me, Jake, that I needed to put them higher up because of how detail oriented it was. And I have to give them credit that their anime was really good. Whoever was able to do the whole thing did an incredible job because there were so many little details that they put in. So I might have to move it up after this, but we'll go to number three. I put the Giants in at number three. I thought Eli was 
fantastic. Um, I loved all the references, like you said. And the only thing I have on this is it felt a little bit too much like they were trying to be Peyton. Like it, it just felt almost like, oh, they had the same angle for the sit down, you know, like the same way that they talked and obviously they're brothers, but that was my only hit at this. Otherwise I thought they were fantastic. Number two, going to the Denver Broncos last year's I thought was better, but I did appreciate this. I think the way they incorporated Russell Wilson, John Elway, Nathaniel Hackett, that they did a great job. And then number one, I'm giving it to the Lions. My favorite one, obviously, being when they did the Seahawks. They said they had the Wilson football, and they said, oh, you won't have this anymore. And they gave it away and gave them like, <laughs> a nerd football. So, so good overall. So fun that they're no longer just doing graphics. We got videos going on. But I want to bring in Jeremy Rutherford, who is the Athletic St. Louis Blues writer. So we're super stoked to have him. Jeremy, you're down at Ball Arena. How are you? <laughs> How are you guys doing? Good. Thank you so much for hopping on with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So how is it down at Ball Arena? Who's on the ice right now? Uh, the abs are on the ice. And uh, for fans' sake here in Colorado, I hope McKinnon's on the ice. <laughs> I hope that Cal McCarr's on the ice. That would be a real good thing, right? So uh, I can't really make it out. There's probably most of the team out there today. But uh, it's the abs and the blues will be out there shortly. You know what I mean? Uh, the abs obviously are supposed to, you know, wipe the floor with the, the blues in the series, according to the odds makers, you know, a lot of people in Colorado think the abs are going to win the cup. Uh, what's the expectation around St. Louis with this team and maybe fighting their way through the abs in this series, if that's possible in, in people's minds? Yeah, I think for the most part, uh, fans in St. Louis understand that uh, the blues are the underdog Colorado, whoever they're playing in the second round is going to be the overwhelming favorite. I mean, heck uh, people at the beginning of the season, the past couple of years have picked them as the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. So I think they've shown nothing to disprove that, especially the way they wiped up uh, Nashville in that first round, right? So Minnesota comes off the win. I'm sorry, St. Louis comes off the win over Minnesota in the first round. And now they're going to go into this series and, and, you know, everybody thinks they're going to be overmatched. And that could be the case. I mean, this is a phenomenal team. I don't think anybody in St. Louis would take anything away from uh, Colorado. But this is a Blues uh, team that, that's really deep up front. They have a ton of forward depth. They had nine players this year nine forwards with 20 goals or more. And the defense, while there are question marks about it, uh, is playing better too. So, you know, I think there are some folks back in St. Louis who are, who are predicting maybe an upset, but of course you'd expect that, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, the Blues were the underdog too to the Wild. Who should Avalanche fans be most scared of on this Blues team? Well, with that balance, it's hard to predict on a nightly basis, right? Because uh, a lot of guys showed up all season and scored, uh, scored some goals. Um, you know, I would say that Vladimir Tarasenko towards the end of that series against uh, Minnesota really started to play well, had a uh, hat trick in a big game, a clutch third period that kind of swung the series towards the Blues' favor. Another guy to watch is uh, Robert Thomas, 50-plus uh, assists this year. He's a young young guy who won a Stanley Cup in his first season. Uh, Jordan Tyroo is probably another name that uh, maybe Avalanche fans, uh, you know, probably aren't all that familiar with. And he's a young rising star. So, uh, and of course, Jordan Bennington, he did not start in game one against Minnesota, but he took over the net about halfway through the series. And he's got a 943 save percentage in those last three games. So I'm sure that uh, the Avalanche and their fans are familiar with uh, Jordan Bennington winning that Stanley Cup in 2019. And it looks like he's starting to play, you know, somewhat closer to that uh, level that he had that year. Yeah, the Blues have won three straight games since Bennington took over the net. 
what has kind of changed besides just putting Bennington in the net? Has, has the defense been shored up a little bit? I know from last year they got Nick Letty, which, you know, not maybe at the top of his game anymore, but a really solid defenseman with a ton of playoff experience. Well, uh, the defense has been a question mark all season just because you look up front, and I think people like that area of the team. Uh, but uh, they really had to patch it together in the first round against Minnesota on defense. They used 10 defensemen. And the last three games, all wins, they dressed 11 forwards and seven defensemen. So, like I said, really patching it together. They're without Tori Krug and Marco Scandella. Uh, Krug for sure won't be available in these two games against Colorado. And maybe not the series. We'll see. But in the meantime, you mentioned Nick Letty. He came over from Detroit in the trade. He's really stepped up and fit in uh, seamlessly. And another name to watch out for, uh, Scott Perenovich. He won the Hobie Baker just a couple years ago uh, from Duluth. He uh, did not play from mid-January all the way up until the middle of this series, but he stepped in for Tory Krug, and he's been uh, really good. So that's a name to pay attention to. We're obviously very excited. It felt like, especially here in Colorado, that it was such a long stretch without any type of hockey. Is this Blues team talked at all about the rest that this Colorado Avalanche team has going into tonight? Yeah, I think so a little bit, but they've said all the right things. Uh, what is it, uh, eight full days off or seven full days off before uh, the game tonight for the Avs? And then you guys are, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, head Nashville. I'm sorry, head to Dallas beating Calgary. Then there'd be another day off. You know, this series wouldn't start until Wednesday. So that would have been, you know, something else. But, you know, I think Colorado's such a good team. The way I look at it is maybe it takes you a period or two uh, to get your footing back. And, you know, by then I, I think they'll be feeling uh, like they're ready to go. Uh, but it's if, if there is a rust situation with Colorado, that's where the Blues got to pounce. Like, it's not going to last long, right? It's not going to last till game two or three. So, you know, if you're watching this game tonight and the abs passes seem a little bit off, you better score two quick goals and try to steal game one somehow. You know, the abs have had trouble breaking through in round two for so long now. Uh, St. Louis has won a Stanley Cup very recently. How much does that experience play into one of these series that maybe could go deep and where the abs do get punched in the mouth? It's a great question, and, and I hope I have a good answer for you here. So there's about, I think last time I checked, there's about 10 guys still on the roster from that 2019 Cup team. And a lot of the major guys, you know, O'Reilly and Tarasenko and, and Jordan Bennington, uh, Colton Franco. So there's a lot of guys that are still in the core, but a lot have moved on. I mean, there's, you know, 10 or 15 guys uh, who have moved on. The one thing that I have noticed is this team doesn't get down. And I think that's a direct result of getting down so many times in that cup run in 2019 and still finding a way to pull it out. And so, you know, the Blues won game one against Minnesota, 37 save shutout. For Billy Huso, what do they do? They lose the next two games and fall down 2-1 in the series. And everybody that you talk to, you know, within the locker room just said, hey, look, we've been here before, we're fine. I think this Blues team is built to stay in things, whether it be stay within a game or, you know, stay within a series and just keep plugging away. So, you know, Colorado could very well get up 2-0 in this series, but I can guarantee you, you won't see a Blues team, you know, uh, with their heads down. When you look at this team, this Colorado Avalanche team, from a Blues perspective, who are you most worried about? Uh, for sure, Cal McCarr. And, I mean, that's all due respect in the world to uh, Nathan McKinnon. I think, you know, I voted for him for MVP a couple of years ago. I think he's a dynamite. Uh, but the reason I say McCarr is just because he does it from a different position. I mean, there are really good forwards throughout the league. And, you know, for that matter, there's some good defensemen too, but nobody like McCarr. He, he just does everything. I mean, sometimes you watch these goals where he dangles there at the blue line and finds, you know, 
a way to get to the net somehow on the outside. And you're like, that has to be a forward doing this. And, and it's not. So he was my pick for the Norris. Um, you know, Craig Bruby, we asked him about Makar a couple of days ago, and he said what he does isn't normal. It's just not normal. It's hard to prepare for. Uh, but he said you better get all those wingers ready uh, to cover uh, Makar when he's making those moves. So he's my guy. You look at Ryan O'Reilly, and, of course, we're very familiar with him in Colorado. Um, do you think there's any bad blood left on Ryan's side? Because it has been a while. He has won a cup in St. Louis. He'll probably go down more as a blue than an ab at this point. Yeah, no, I don't think there's anything. And there, I could probably count five guys on the team. You know, maybe not with the pedigree of Ryan, uh, but, you know, have similar situations. They just moved on from previous teams. And I know that circumstance was a little bit different, you know, with the offer sheet and such and then moving to uh, Buffalo but you know we get asked more in St. Louis about uh, what it's like for him to go back to Buffalo than it is to go back to Colorado just because uh, he was traded from Buffalo and then comes to St. Louis and wins the cup I don't think there's anything there uh, but I, I do know that uh, he's been terrific throughout this postseason he's the ultimate captain um, you know he's really grown and matured from his time in Colorado going to Buffalo uh, where he almost wore the seat. He almost got it, but they decided to go with a guy named Jack Eichel. That didn't work out too well. And uh, O'Reilly comes to St. Louis in the big trade, wins the con smite, and now he is the Blues captain. Jeremy, when you look at both of these goaltenders, and Darcy Kemper, obviously he dealt with an eye injury in the Pred Series, so he didn't finish it out. And then Jordan Bennington, who is better? They're obviously both superb, but when you really dig deep, who do you believe is better? We might have lost you. Oh. We might have lost you. At least sound-wise. Yep. Technology, man. It always gets you at some point. Yeah. Are you there now? We got yeah, you. We got yep, you. you're good. Um, sorry, I got a radio interview coming up in a couple minutes, uh, but I think they might have called there and disconnected. But, but yeah, you're talking about the goaltenders? Yeah, just who – when you look at both of them, they're both obviously great goaltenders – but when you really dig deep into the numbers, who do you believe is better? Well, you know, it depends because uh, I really like Darcy Kemper. I, I, I like him back to his Arizona days. You know, there were times where I'd watch a Blues-Arizona uh, game, and I was like, I can't believe how good this guy is, and he's just sitting out here in the desert, you know, rotting away. So I was glad for him and glad for the abs to find that fit, and uh, he's been terrific. So we'll see. You know, I, I suppose he's okay after the uh, eye injury. Um, and uh, I expect them to be good in this series. You know, with the Blues, Billy Huso has been the better goaltender all season. Uh, so, you know, he get, got the start in game one, like I mentioned, and he was terrific. Jordan Bennington slips in there, and, you know, there's just something about experience. There's something about being there before. You can't ever take that away from a guy like Jordan Bennington. And so, you know, could Jordan Bennington take the loss tonight and, and be the reason? Yeah, you know, he, he's had a tough year, uh, but I think he could also go pitch a 35-save shutout and, and beat the abs and nobody would be surprised just because that's how he's uh, been throughout his career. Well, I will say, Jacob, we're going to let Jeremy head on to his radio interview. I will say I'm a little nervous about Jordan Bennington myself personally, but Jeremy, <laughs> thank you so much for hopping on with us. We'll let you get to your other interview and we'll look forward to seeing you tonight down at ball arena. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. It was fun. Thanks. No problem. Thank you so much, Jeremy. All right, Jake, when we look at this team now with Jordan Bennington and Darcy Kemper, when you really dig into the stats, who worries you more? Uh, real quick, just want to give a shout out to uh, our guest wearing the Bobby Plager pin, uh, who who was an original St. Louis Blue who passed away like two, three years ago. Uh, pretty cool shout out from him. And I think the Blues Wars uh, is number on the uniforms for a while. Yeah, go ahead, Rachel. 
I love that you noticed that. I love that, Jake, that you noticed even the smallest detail on that. Like, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you work as a baseball beat writer for five years, you got to find a way to find storylines over 162 (laughs) games. So you start looking at people's like shoelaces and stuff. Um, Anyway, who do I like as a goaltender? Well, Mm Darcy Kemper was phenomenal in the games he played for the Avs in the playoffs so far in the regular season. Mm-hmm. But man, I said this to you two, three weeks ago. In order for me to believe you've won a, you can win a cup as a goaltender, you have to have won a cup. Um, Jordan Bennington has carried his team to a Stanley Cup before. Now, Jordan Bennington's not the player he was a few years ago. You just heard uh, Billy Huso has been better for St. Louis. But that also scares me in a way because if both teams lose a goaltender and a lot of teams in this playoffs have already lost a goaltender or lost a goaltender and went down, the Blues are a little deeper there than the Avs. I mean, Francois is fine, but Billy Huso is a starter. Jordan Bennington's both – they're both starters. So mm-hmm. uh, I give the, the, the Blues a slight edge there at the goaltending position, but I will say – you know, Kemper's been the better goaltender this year, but the Blues have won three straight since Bennington's been back in the net. Yeah, he worries me. And we even had a comment this from Mel that said, Rachel and Jake, are you worried about Bennington stealing enough games for the Blues to win? He can be a goaltender who, if he gets really hot, and he's obviously been successful so far this postseason, that I am worried about it. That's, it's no joke. I don't think... I think this Avs offense can definitely get rolling enough to put it back in his grave. It kind of sounds harsh to say, but that has to happen first before they can get inside of his head. And if he can continue to block shots, it worries me. The Avs could come out a little rusty in game one because of eight yeah. days off. Then all of a sudden the shot opportunities aren't that good. Jordan, Jordan Bennington locks into his own and the Avs somehow lose a game with 35 shots on that. That's a realistic possibility for tonight. Um, I also think the Avs are winning this series in five because I know you're about to ask that question. Um, But, you know, that doesn't mean that Bennington and the Blues can prove me wrong and steal a couple games. And that's the recipe is Bennington is the guy who can steal games. And you knew as an Avs fan, you were going to run into one of these goalies eventually. The next series looking ahead, Mike Smith is not going to do that for Edmonton, although he just did steal a game seven win. I I have more faith in Jordan Bennington doing that than Mike Smith. Yep. We got plenty more Colorado Avalanche talk this afternoon. Will Peterson is going to j- or join both Jake and I as we talk Avalanche face-off at 3 p.m. on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter Live. So make sure you come hang out with us. Again, we're going to be breaking down this entire series, and we will see everybody at 3 p.m. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on Coffee Break. Again, we'll be back again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. as well. And then also post game tonight. Wow, we're really just rolling with the shows. Immediately following the fall or the horn tonight after the Avs game one versus the Blues. Man, there are so there's so much going on. I'm so freaking excited for this series to get rolling. Um, Will Peterson, James Merlot, and myself, we will be there talking everything game one that you need to know. I'm ready for tonight to get rolling, everybody. Round two, Avs Blues. Let's get this thing going. We'll see everybody again later this afternoon, tonight, or tomorrow morning. Bye, everyone.